Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you. Good to see you. I drove up in the upper parking lot and there's like six cars there. I thought, there's not going to be anybody here today. <laughs> you obviously don't park in the upper parking lot. You've earned the right to park down below. Good for you. Well, it's good to be with you. Um, I understand that you were under the able care of Jason last week. Um, I'm not answering questions. <laughs> he, he never tells me what he's going to teach on when I ask him. Uh, I always have to wait for the email to come out, you know. I get the overview of what happened the week before. I think, oh my goodness. <laughs> I always miss the good stuff. So I have no idea what he said. Uh, which is probably good. Um, I hear it was. I hear it was good. Of course, it was good. Jason's really, really good, and um, and of course, he's not here today to follow up, and I'm not here today to follow up either. <laughs> so, if you have questions, you'll have to ask him the next time he teaches. Most of you know, um, May has been declared Kennison Graduation Month. <laughs> So uh, last week uh, we were at Davidson, uh, at Good Presbyterian College uh, in North Carolina that has its graduation at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. Uh, so that's where we were last Sunday. So I'm sorry I wasn't here, but I was hanging out with the uh, lapsed Presbyterians. And uh, although... In fairness to them, they did have an opening prayer and a benediction, a scripture reading, and a hymn for graduation. Not even, this is not even that baccalaureate the day before. This is for the graduation. So um, maybe they were, yeah, I think that's more prayer and scripture reading than my son heard in four years. But anyway, <laughs> they were saving it for the last day. You know, last thing they heard. So. It was good. It was a good day. And then um, yesterday was our baby, Sarah Ann. Our last one graduated from high school yesterday. And she also had two her final dance recitals yesterday. So we got our last ballerina through. So we don't know what we're going to do with our lives anymore. Uh, soccer's done. Ballet's done. So if we look lost. Uh, I'm sure you'll, you'll assure me I'll figure it out, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. Um, but it was a good day. I still got a house full of out-of-town guests um, that I'll probably run back to after I uh, <laughs> confuse you for the day. Uh, yeah, I did have time for a brief shower today. Um, and, I, and I was told last week, because I don't often mention shower thoughts, um, and we have new people in the class. People came up to some people after class like we like, why is he talking about the shower? That sounds really weird. <laughs> it occurred to me, it probably does sound really weird. So if you're new, relatively new to the class, um, I'm one of those people that if I have a thought during the day, uh, it often happens in the shower. And if it's a good day, I sometimes have 
two thoughts. If it's a really, really, really good day, the two thoughts are connected. <laughs> right? So that's a good shower. And, and often I think about... Yeah, I started censoring myself. I started saying, I often think about you all in the shower. <laughs> yeah, Jason's having an influence on me even though I wasn't here. Um, more precisely, I, I often think about teaching this class. Like, what am I going to say this week in the shower? So sometimes I talk about having a shower thought, and it's usually one of those thoughts that um, is challenging to me. Um, and I've grown to love this class, and so I share my most intimate shower thoughts with you all uh, when I'm perplexed in the shower, confusing myself. Uh, having, if I have a deep thought, it's often in the shower. So if you hear me offering a shower thought, that's what it is, just to clarify. And it particularly probably needs to be clarified after last week's lesson. So, yeah. On to the lesson for today. Um, who knows what uh, today is? Sunday. It, it is Sunday. It is Memorial Day weekend. Uh, what Sunday? What Sunday is it in the church year? Seventh Sunday of Easter. That's good. It also has a special name. It's the Ascension. It's Ascension Sunday. Yeah, bonus points for Tom Terry. Yeah. Ascension Day was Thursday. Why would that be? Why would Ascension Day have been Thursday? 40 days. 40 days. Yeah, 40 days after Easter. Uh, and where do we get that from? Acts. Yeah, Acts chapter 1. Um, we only have two accounts of the Ascension uh, in the opening chapter of Acts. And where's the other one? It's a gospel. You got a 25% chance. <laughs> Thanks for playing. Not John. Mark, thank you. Thanks for playing. Not so. You've got a 50% 50, 50 chance now. <laughs> Luke, uh, we have a winner. Who said Luke? <laughs> Gold star. Right. So remember, Luke is actually the writer of Acts. Right? So it's in Luke and Acts, which is kind of peculiar in some ways because the book of Acts closes with the ascension. Right? And the impression you get if you're reading the book of Luke is like the, the ascension feels like it's happening on resurrection day, right? Jesus is resurrected, meets his disciples, and then Luke says that he ascends. The opening of Acts, which you'll recall is the second part of Luke's sort of gospel where he's talking about the continuing work of Jesus through the church, uh, it talks about Jesus ascending 40 days after his ascension. So you might wonder, like, what's that about? Like, how many times did he ascend? Um, but that's, that's our question. Um, we're not going to get 
that's not the most interesting question to ask. We want to try to wrestle with some things today about, like, what is the Ascension? It's, it's a kind of minor feast day. Um, baskets are coming around now. So everyone reach for your wallet. The Ascension is obviously a minor feast day. Uh, most of you didn't know about it. Uh, most of you didn't go out and do your Ascension Day shopping. Uh, you didn't buy little bunnies for Ascension Day. Didn't color eggs for Ascension Day. Um, you didn't buy Ascension Day cards and send them out. Um, yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty minor thing. Um, most of you might know that it, it's sort of, I mean, next week is, if, if today's Ascension Day, the seventh Sunday of Easter, then what's next Sunday going to be? The eighth! <laughs> this group, actually it's not the eighth. <laughs> Trick question. Yeah, what's, what's next Sunday going to be? Pentecost. Penta, right? It's going to be 50 days, right? Since the resurrection, right? So it's going to be 50 days. So next Sunday's the so-called birthday of the church. So now, now we're, it's going to be a test next Sunday, kind of remind you, like, could you remember, okay? So this is the church year where we kind of rehearse the biblical story uh, and so next Sunday's Pentecost. And so Ascension Sunday sort of stands in between the end of the Easter season leading us into Pentecost. And I thought we'd focus on this today because I just had this hunch that maybe most of you didn't know it was Ascension Sunday. And that's my job, right, is to try to bring us all up to speed on things we didn't know. And so uh, I thought there'd probably only be like six of you here, but now you surprised me and there's a whole room full of people who are gonna learn about Ascension. So what we wanna do is try to figure out why does Luke particularly, um, and why has the church thought that the Ascension is important? Because for, for a lot of us, it's just, it's kind of weird if we're honest. Most of us don't wanna be honest because you, you don't really, if you're like me, I grew up, no one really gave me permission much in growing up in church to say, that story's just weird. <laughs> right? I mean, that, that, you're not supposed to say that, right? And even now, when I say it out loud, it seems a little, like, sacrilegious to say, that story's just a little weird for us. But let's just be honest, the story's a little weird to us, the way we think of the world. Um, there's a story told about an Episcopal seminary where they were having an Ascension Day service. And so they'd had the service and then they were going outside in a sort of recessional. And one of the seminary students thought that he would try to you know, make the, the Ascension of Jesus a little more real for his fellow seminarians. And so he'd secured one of these sort of plastic figures uh, from like a Christmas crash, right? Nativity scene. And 
installed a rocket engine in it. And as they were recessing out into the courtyard of the seminary, he set it off, right? And here went this figure shooting up into the sky. <laughs> Thought he was being really helpful until it you know, landed on one of the roofs of one of the seminary buildings. I don't think it caught fire. Um, but that's sort of the image that we have, right? The sort of Jesus is like rocket man. Um, Jesus is just sort of like taking off. Um, and, it's, and it's hard not to think that. And given the world that we live in, given the mindset that we have, it's hard for us not to ask the question that seems obvious to us, that seems pressing to us, and that is, where did he go? Right? I mean, that's what you want to ask. Like, he went, went up into the clouds, and then, like, did he, like, jet off to some place outside the solar system? Or, I mean, how can you, you live in a world like ours, how can you not ask that question? Right? Because this, this is the world that we see. This is the only world that we really believe in. On most days, if we're honest, again, it's hard to say that in church because we know that, like we're supposed to believe in something else, but that's the way that we think. And so you hear a story like the Ascension, it just sounds a little, if we're honest, a little embarrassing, which is probably why maybe none of us sent out Ascension Day cards to our friends, <laughs> right? Because what are you going to have on the cover? <laughs> like, Jesus up in the clouds or something, right? And, and your friends are going to, like, mock you, right? Um, so I'm just, I'm taking the risk of saying what probably at least some of us have thought all our lives, but never had permission to say. So we're just going to get that out of the way to start with. This is kind of an odd story in the kind of worldview that we have it's, it's, it's embarrassing, which means we never talk about it, and so we, we don't even press through the sort of 21st century confusion to say, what is the story about, and why did the church think it was important? And this is in the creed. Right? This is in the creed. Um, right? He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. Right? Some of you have said that. It's like, well, what does that mean? Um, and why did, why did Luke and why does the early church think that's important? So that's what we want to just kind of sketch in a little bit today and try not to be overly preoccupied with where did he go? Right? Although we'll try to address that a little, right? Because we have to at least displace a little bit our notion that the worldview that you and I have is the only possible way of thinking about the world. Uh, and if you read scripture, you have to realize there's, there's more than what we see. Right? Um, okay, so that's just to kind of get things going. So let's Let's talk a, a couple things about what the Ascension is not. Let's start with that, kind of uh, reorient ourselves. So the first thing I think I want to say is 
that the ascension does not require us to think of Jesus as kind of rocket man who somehow left the earth and went to some other place in the universe, right, uh, when he ascended into the clouds. And so um, I think what we want to be able to say here is that um, for the early Christians, what they had that most of us don't have is a way of thinking about the world that when we talk about reality, which we think is exhaustive, we, we mean kind of material reality, like trees and ground and air and stuff you can see and smell and taste and all that. And that's, yeah, that's is reality. But for them, there's another dimension, at least, right, that's not open to your or my fleshly eyes, right? Um, there's a whole, I mean, they might have talked about it as the world of the spirit because that's the language they have, but there's a sense that there's a world that's very much part of this world, but you can't see it, taste it, smell it the same way that you can what you and I call reality. And so that reality, that reality um, is every bit as real to them that's what you and I call reality, okay? In fact, they would probably say it's more real. That's where it gets weird for us. Because for us, it's hard to think of anything more real than this. We call this reality, right? This is what's so confusing to us. So we're already in the shower, okay? Right? He can't take it anymore. Oh. Are we not on over there? Oh, it went off. See, I've been censored by the powers that be. In that. See, well, this is, this is uh, spiritual warfare. See, people don't want me to say this. Am I back on? Thank you. Okay. Now I have to think about what I, what I was saying that was so dangerous. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> That real, real, what they considered to be the realest real there was, they called heaven. It's the realm of God. The realm of God is more real than, than ours because our world is passing away. The, the, the heaven is the realm of God. And that's the really real. Right? So when it says that Jesus ascended to heaven. It doesn't mean like Jesus went to some place out a little bit beyond Jupiter. Right? It means Jesus is entering into this other dimension. This is why Jesus can say, I'm leaving, but I'm always with you. Right? Because it's not, you know, ascending to the right hand of the Father, as we'll see in a minute, is not a place so much as it is a function. We'll get to that. But we're just so spatially concrete thinkers that it's hard for us to sort of get our heads around that. This is fine. This is, this is stretching. So to say that Jesus ascended into heaven doesn't mean that Jesus went to somewhere else in our universe. It's that Jesus enters into this other 
dimension where Jesus can still be present. This is our confession. That Jesus, Jesus says, I'll always be with you. And we say that at the same time that our heads think, but he's somewhere in heaven, which we imagine as being a different place that's somehow far away from this place. But that's, that's not what they're thinking. All right? So we have to be able to sort of have our minds be a little bit more agile. And I think dimension language is a helpful way of thinking about it. Right? There's a different dimension to this, but it's the same reality. It's just a dimension that you may not have access to in the same way you have access to other dimensions. And so, so this is what Jesus is saying, is that I'm, I'm moving into this realm, this other dimension, but I'm still with you. And as he says, you know, unless I go away, we talked about this when we were talking about John, unless I go away... Um, it, when I go away, it's going to be good for you because I'm going to send an advocate, right? The Spirit to be with you, which is what Pentecost is about. When Jesus slips into this other dimension, he's, Jesus is still going to be real through the Spirit in this dimension. That's going to be our access to Jesus. But, so Jesus isn't rocket man. Okay, we can just kind of let that go. Um, as hard as it is. Um, but I, I think it might be a happy goodbye because I think part of our hang-up with the Ascension is we just can't get our head around why Jesus has to be rocket man and what that means for our lives. So let's, let's set that aside. The second thing that it isn't, the Ascension isn't, Jesus isn't rocket man, and Jesus also isn't, and here is I don't know if you were taught this or not, but this is really, really crucial. Jesus is not setting aside his humanity. Okay, one of the central affirmations of the Christian faith is what we call the incarnation. That God takes on human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, a first century Jewish man. And in Jesus Christ, we see most perfectly what it means to be God and what it means to be fully human. Both of those revelations coming together in Jesus Christ. And so what a lot of people could understandably think is that so God takes on human flesh in Jesus Christ in the Incarnation and then at the ascension, he sort of slips out of his humanity and just goes back to being just God. And that is precisely what the Christian affirmation says is not what happened. And that is extraordinary. Right? Because what Jesus shows, I mean, this is why the ascension is so important, is Jesus becomes the first person, the first creature who shows us where all creation is going. Because what we see in the book of Revelation is this joining, you know, the, the final vision in Revelation is a new heaven and a new earth 
coming down and God dwelling with us. And now the distinction between heaven and earth is gone, right? Because now we live in this full dimension where there isn't this barrier between heaven and earth, between these two dimensions. Jesus now is capable at the resurrection and the ascension of living in both dimensions. Right? But he does it as a human being. Okay? He does not lose his humanity. God's plan from the very beginning was not just to try on humanity, think, oh, that's kind of fun, but, you know, it was kind of... I did that, you know, got the t-shirt, go back to being God. No, God's design was to join humanity and divinity, to, to, to join our lives with God's life. And so when Jesus ascends, when Jesus enters into this full dimension of God, he takes our humanity with him. So now humanity is in the heart of God, is in, in the divine nature itself. This is incredible. The incarnation was not temporary. So when Jesus says, I am with you always, he doesn't, he means that at the personal level, absolutely. There is great comfort in that. But he's also affirming that humanity has been taken up into the life of God. That's an extraordinary claim. And that's part of what we see in the ascension. Is Jesus retaining his humanity enters into the realm of God that we call heaven. But ultimately where God is taking this story is the joining of heaven and earth. These dimensions will be at some point seamless. And which is why in the creed we talk about the resurrection of the body, right? Because just as Jesus didn't rocket off to somewhere beyond Jupiter, neither are we going to do that. Okay? Um, again, we don't have a full picture of what the final, our final state will be. But just as Jesus has a body that's both recognizable, but also has some discontinuity, some things about it that are different. Right? Jesus is capable of doing things that you and I can't do in this reality. We will be given, right, a different body, a new body, but we will be, this is our affirmation, right, we will be creatures with bodies. We're not just going to be ethereal spirits. This is an affirmation of God's good creation. God didn't create us with bodies because that was a mistake. These just weren't things that, 
you know, God made a mistake and thought, well, what I really need is, you know, what's inside your body. But this is, no, this is, these are beautiful things. And at the end, even though we don't understand exactly how it works, this is where we're headed. And we see glimpses of this in the ascension, that Jesus retains his humanity. So those are the two things that it isn't. Jesus isn't rocket man, and he's not just slipping out of his humanity, which was temporary. No, when God chooses to take on human flesh, that's God joining God's life with us. This is a permanent thing, right? This is how much God wants us to be part of God's very life. God didn't just try on humanity to see what it was like. So you begin to see already like why this might matter. This sort of seemingly minor feast day, why the ascension might matter. Let's say a couple things about what's trying to be affirmed in this on the sort of positive side. I mean, those are positive too, but let's say some more. So part of what's being affirmed is just like the resurrection. You never think of, I mean, the fact that Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, the ascension almost feels like part of the resurrection. Right? And part of what's being articulated in this story of the ascension is that Jesus, his life, his ministry, his person, is being vindicated. Right? We, we said no to Jesus. Humanity said no to Jesus. Jesus comes, offers to be a king in a new kingdom, a new social order, a new way of living life, and we crucify the Lord of glory. We say no. Thank you very much. We'll throw in our lot with the kingdoms of the world. Thank you very much. But God, in resurrecting Jesus, and then Jesus ascending to the right hand of the Father, is God saying, well, yes. God's saying yes to our no. God is vindicating Jesus, saying, actually, this is the way the world is going. The person, the life, the ministry of Jesus really is the true reality. This is where creation is going. So we hear echoes. We've been studying the book of Philippians, right? And that great Philippian hymn that we looked at a couple of weeks ago in the various sermon series um, here, right? That, that, that hymn about, and Jesus, you know, the, there'll come a time when, when God lifts up Jesus, right? Exalts him. What's it say? Somebody remember? What's the, you all know this. Test. <laughs> this is about Jesus being born in human likeness, found in the human form. He humbled, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him. Right? This is Paul's way of talking about it, right? God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend. Right? You know all that, right? In heaven and on earth. Right? In heaven and on earth. 
and under the earth, and every tongue which confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what Paul calls this exaltation, this vindication that God says yes to Jesus, that says something about who God is and what ultimate reality is about. This is the way that things are going. So it looks like failure, right? I mean, to Jesus' disciples, it looks like Jesus has failed. It's like, well, that was, that was, that was kind of quaint Jesus, that kind of loving your enemies and forgiving people and loving your neighbor as yourself. I mean, that was nice, but see, when that gets you, it gets you killed. So, just, that's nice, Jesus, but that's not going to work in the real world. God says, this is the real world. And this is the way the world is going. And this is affirmation of Jesus and the way of Jesus. And so when it says it exalts, when the creed says that Jesus is ascended and sitteth at the right hand of God, again, the right hand of God in the biblical mindset is not a place. It's a function. Go back to read the Psalms. Go back and read uh, ancient uh, literature of the Hebrew people. I mean, to sit at the right hand of the king is to be the sort of king's right-hand man. Sorry, women, it was a man, right? <laughs> Can't, nothing I can do about that, right? That's the way they thought, right? So Jesus is God's right-hand man, which means he's been given authority, right? He's been given God's authority. He's been granted power from God to exercise God's will, God's desire. He's sort of God's viceroy, does God's will, which is what Jesus did while he was on earth, he says, right? I came not to do my will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. So the ascension is about not where Jesus sits, like well, where's the right hand of God? Is that like not beyond Jupiter? Is that like way out in some other galaxy? No, it's not a place. The scripture's not trying to, in the creed's not trying to affirm the place that Jesus is. It's trying to affirm the authority that Jesus now has as a result of being faithful to God's will that he come and do the will of the Father and God exalts him and gives him power. But what kind of power? Well, that's what Jesus showed us. Um, we have a certain notion of power in our world to get things done, right? Um, as a teacher, most days I feel powerless, right? Not with you so much, because you're good sports, but like with students, like other students. <laughs> like students who are leaning into adulthood, right? Or as a parent, right? You often feel powerless. Or a grandparent or a neighbor. I mean, I mean, power is about, we think, power is about trying to get things done that you want done. And when we get frustrated, at least when I get frustrated, I can't speak for you. I mean, when I get frustrated, I can't get things done, you know, by being Mr. Nice Guy, then you gotta go to whatever comes next, <laughs> right? Gotta use your power, gotta use your authority. But that's interesting, I mean, 
Jesus' power is so upside down. We've talked about Jesus' upside down kingdom, but this sort of inside out power, right? This power of servanthood, this power of forgiveness, right? And Jesus says and promises us that through the Spirit, this is what we celebrate next Sunday on Pentecost, that God is going to infuse us with the power to live out the way of Jesus because you and I can't live that way. Because it doesn't make any sense, for one. And it just doesn't seem like it works. Right? And just a footnote here. During Jesus' life, it didn't look like it worked either. So part of what being, part of the faith you know, part of faith and, and realizing that not everything we see is all that there is. I mean, Jesus had to have that faith too. It didn't look like this was a success mission. Looks like failure. And to a lot of people today, it even looks like failure. But we have to trust that there's, there's more going on than what our human eyes can see. And part of what the ascension is about is to remind us that no, Jesus sits at the right hand of God with our humanity. Our humanity sits at the right hand of God. And we have been infused with the promised spirit of that self-same Jesus to live out the way of Jesus as ridiculous as it sometimes looks, as often as it looks like failure, but to trust that God is going to take our humble, stumbling efforts to be faithful to the way of Jesus and use those to create God's new world. I don't know how God's going to do that. I don't know how God's going to take up the scraps of my life that have in some way, by the grace of God and the power of God's Spirit, been honoring to God and reflects even imperfectly something of God's character and the way of God and God's... I don't know how God's going to collect those scraps and use them to make the kingdom. But that's the Christian affirmation. That's why you and I go on, even though a lot of days living the way of Jesus doesn't bring often immediate results. It looks like silliness or foolishness or failure or naivete or you name it, right? It just looks like we're naive, right? Why would I forgive my enemies? That just looks stupid, right? Let's just be honest. I mean, lots of times that just looks stupid. But Jesus doesn't just say that, he does it, right? And even when Jesus can't forgive his enemies, he at least asks God to, which is what he does on the cross, right? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, right? So Jesus isn't asking us to do something that Jesus himself didn't wrestle with. But God has not left us alone. And on the days, I mean, part of what I must remind us of today is the ascension reminds us Here's, here's the irony, here's the paradox. The reason I really wanted to talk about this today is I worry that the way we've thought about the ascension is exactly opposite of what the church wanted it to do. 
the, the ascension makes it feel as if Jesus is distant. That Jesus has rocketed to, away. I mean, there was a time when Jesus was here, but he rocketed away in the ascension. And someday, apparently, he's coming back. But until then, we're left on our own. Jesus gave us the spirit. But no, that's not what the ascension was designed to say. It was say, the affirmation, the central affirmation of the Christian faith is that in God taking on flesh, God, this is, this is so extraordinary. In taking on human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, God has determined for the rest, and again, our language here fails us because all we have is time language, right? right? For the rest of eternity, God chooses not to be God apart from us. I mean, think about that. God has taken up our humanity in the person of Jesus Christ into the very nature of God now. That's extraordinary. And this is what the ascension is about. And so, on the days when it feels like God is distant, remember that hum our humanity is now in the very heart of God in the person of Jesus Christ. That's a beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing. God has no desire to be God apart from us. And that's part of what the ascension is about, that God, Jesus retains his humanity, now sits at the right hand of God, has authority and power, and reminds us this is the way the world is going. On, so on the days when it feels like following the way of Jesus is just a dead end, that it's going nowhere, that we're wasting our time, we can be reminded that, no, this really is. We're not going to see it every day in this dimension, but this dimension is actually not the really real. Right? It's not the realest reality there is. There's, a, there's a, a realer reality. There's more going on than what your eyes can see, what my eyes can see. And God is taking up your acts of faithfulness, my acts of faithfulness, our acts of faithfulness, graced by God, empowered by the Spirit, and God is doing with those more than you and I can see. So be encouraged by that. Be encouraged by that. And on the days when it feels like God is distant, remember that God is right here. Heaven is right here. This dimension that we call heaven is right here. Right? It's not somewhere beyond, you know, some other galaxy. It's right here. Can't see it, can't taste it, can't touch it, can't smell it. But it's right here. God is with us. God has not abandoned us. God will not abandon us. This is what they said. God will not abandon us. Humanity is in the very heart of God. So be encouraged by that um, today and in the days to come. Let's pray. Gracious God, we confess that our finite 
minds and our limited perspective often make it so challenging to take in even a bit of the glory of who you are and what you have done. We give you thanks for taking on human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, honoring our humanity, the humanity that you have made and created, and choosing to literally be God with us. But that God with us was not temporary, but that God with us is eternal. So may we be encouraged in the days ahead. May we be empowered by your spirit in the days ahead to be faithful to the calling of Christ and his way, assured that you will take our humble efforts, our humbling, stumbling efforts, and make of them more than we can ever ask or imagine. We pray through the one that you have exalted to your right hand, and at whose name every knee shall bow and every tongue confess to your glory. We pray through his name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.